0: you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis chapter 25. We're in a series called It Takes a Village. Come on, somebody say the village. I'm so grateful to be a part of the village here at Healing Place Church, this spiritual family that God has assembled. It, It takes a village. And the idea behind that, and you know, that's a familiar saying. You've heard that probably your whole life. It takes a village. What do they mean when they say that? It takes the combination of a lot of different people, you know, input from parents and pastors and teachers and coaches. I mean, everybody takes responsibility in raising up a generation so that they can fulfill the call of God on their lives. Amen. Well, out of curiosity, I just want to ask you a question. How many of you you grew up in a day where you got spanked? Okay, now for those of you that are 20 and under, you have no idea what I just said. <laughs> How many of you, you got paddled, you got the belt? You, you, you didn't grow up with this thing called time out. Yeah, where was time out 30 years ago, right? You know what time out was for me? My daddy's belt right here. Okay, another question. How many of you, it was okay and even expected For you to get whipped by somebody that you were not related to. Come on, wave at me. Yeah, you you remember getting spanked by somebody and not your mama, not your dad. I mean, you didn't even know who they were and they whipped you. You ever played in the neighborhood with your friends? You ever been spanked by a neighborhood parent? Yeah, you're kind of playing with all your buddies and then you say something and out comes this mom and she says, what you just said? You better watch your mouth. And then you get popped, and then what do they do? They call your parents and they say, hey, listen, I just did you a favor. (laughs) Right? How many members that? Oh, yeah, if if you got busted with your friends and it was his parents, you got equal punishment. Or, Or how many of you at school? Now, if you got in trouble at school, how many of you also, you got it, they doubled down at the house. Oh yeah, you don't lay a hand on a kid now, but my dad, he taught fifth grade for over 30 years. And the rule was, if you got busted at school, you were going to get it at home. And we had at my house, what was called the board of education, literally, and it was a little red schoolhouse that said board of education. And there were many times when that board of education met my seat of learning. Can I have a good amen? Dad would say, son, let's have a pow wow." He would go pow. I would go wow. But if a, parent, you know, if a teacher at school, if I got in trouble at school, guess what they did? They called my parents, and I knew I was getting it at home. Or how many of you, you grew up in church, and you got fussed at? You got spanked by a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, a pastor. Come on, anybody. Well, they do. Yeah, I've been thumped in the head for running in church. And then inevitably, they pick up the phone, and they call my parents. It takes a village. How many of you are thankful for the village? Oh, the combined effort of many people because we have God-given potential inside of us. And God will use parents. God will use pastors. He'll use teachers and coaches and mentors so that we can become all that God has created us to be. Amen? You know, when God set divine order to his creation, you know what he started with? A family. A family. He started with family. Even before the institution of church, God created family. In the garden, there's Adam and there's Eve. And God's intent was that a healthy family would be the foundation of all human flourishing. That, that a healthy, life-giving family. And I know we work hard to create those environments for our kids and for our grandkids. And if that's true, if God's intent was to use a healthy family to the, be the foundation of all human flourishing, what do you think the number one target of the enemy would be? The family. i am tell you this, this may be a newsflash to some of you, but the devil hates you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't like him either. The devil will put a target on marriages, on homes, on children. If he can destroy the family unit, come on now, are you with me? Uh, There is a reason why we're talking about it takes a village. And today, I want to talk to you about praying for your family. You say, Mike, why is prayer for the family so important? Because the enemy would put a bullseye on every home on every marriage, over every child. And some of you are here today and you have felt the fallout of an attack of the enemy. I mean, maybe you're the product of dysfunction or, or you've come from a broken home or you understand the, the, the hurt and heartache of, of a family that's been turned upside down. I think it's so important that we offer prayers for families because listen, if healthy families are the foundation of all human flourishing, then the enemy would attack your attack, your family for the purpose of destroying a marriage for destroying children. And if he can destroy a family, then he hurts the village. And if the village suffers, then, then the, the city is affected. And if the city is turned upside down, then a region, an entire state, can be totally undermined. And that's how the enemy plans to attack. I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about praying for your family. Now, I, just out of curiosity, how many of you, you, as it relates to your family, you have a specific family Practice when it comes to prayer, or, you know, family devotions or prayer time. I know that's a goal for a lot of us, and it looks different in different homes, it, different expressions, and you know. But the fact of that we pray, I, I think that's a goal that all of us set. You know, I mean, I I don't know what family prayer looks like in your house, but all of us have an idea of what we want it to look like, right? It, it, the, the picture perfect family prayer. If, if I could paint a picture, in fact, I want you to turn your attention to the screen. When it comes to family prayer, here's what we want. Okay, here's what all of us envision. I mean, check this out. Don't you just sense the peace? I mean, there's the dad and man, he's got his arms locked with his wife. See that the hands right there, just the strength of that marriage, that mother and father coming together. And then in perfect obedience and reverence, there's the daughter with her head bowed and her eyes closed. Such peace. And even the son, check him out. Little man's got revelation on one of the scriptures, right? He's kind of pointing right there, man. He's got a word from the Lord out of the mouth of babes. Come on, somebody. And there's the Bible and the strength of mom and dad and the covering over the children. How many of you know in our mind and in our spirit, that's what we envision when it comes to family prayer. That's what we want. But let me show you what we get. We don't get that. We get this kids are crazy. How many know when you say, listen, you try to gather your kids. Okay. We're all going to pray. How many know that's when they start manifesting devils? You think a man, the kingdom of God suffers violence. The violent take it by force. And all the parents said, yeah, sometimes you you feel like you got a referee or wrestling match with your kids. It's amazing what happens when you set the course for prayer in your families. If you have your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter 25. We've been talking about Abraham the last several weeks. We've kind of studied the life and the family dynamics of of Abraham. And I don't want you to see how this plays out in his family, the, the power of praying for your family. Genesis chapter 25, starting with verse 19. The Bible says this This is the account. Of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. Now remember, if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about finding the right one. We said how Abraham sent his servant to scout out a wife for his son Isaac. And uh, the Bible says this is the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was forty years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel the Aramean from Padan Aram, and the sister of Laban the Aramean. Verse 21. Isaac pleaded. Everybody say pleaded. Pleaded. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Can you say amen? Amen. I love that. Now, the the Scripture says that Rebekah was unable to conceive. And so Isaac, he sought the Lord on behalf of his wife. I love this picture because they're, 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 they're in a struggle. And immediately, Isaac, as the husband, as the priest of the home, he seeks the Lord. And it, the Bible doesn't say he just sought the Lord, but he pleaded and he prayed on her behalf. And the scripture says she went from being unable to conceive to having twins. Come on, somebody. How many of you know God will give you double for your trouble? Come on, help me preach this morning. Some of you are in a struggle and you're not seeing anything happen. Uh, We serve a God who loves us, a a God that wants to bless us, a a a God that wants to show us goodness. And the Bible says that Isaac pleaded with the Lord. And here Rebecca ends up not with just one, but with two. Don't you know that's the kind of God that we serve? I I I love this. But the key word I wanted you to pay attention to was the word pleaded. He pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife. I want to give you four quick thoughts if i got time today to go through it all. I want to give you four thoughts as it relates to praying for your family. And if you're taking notes, write down this first word. Write down the word passion. Everybody say passion. I think this is an important component when it comes to praying for our family. The scripture says Isaac pleaded with the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that he begged God. He didn't beg God. I want you to know you don't have to beg You don't have to twist the arm of a reluctant God to give you what you need. That we serve a good God who gives us what we need when we need it. But the scripture here in the Hebrew, the word pleaded, literally means this. It means burning incense in worship in large amounts, And so in this, as Isaac pleaded with the Lord, he's worshiping God. His heart is ablaze. It's almost like he's signaling heaven, this flame, this desire, this burning passion in his soul. He's saying, Lord, do you see us? God, do you hear us? Father, you see the longing of my wife. Lord, you know the promise that you placed on my father and on me, that our descendants would be so numerous that we can't even count them. Lord, give my wife children, he pleaded. He offered worship. You know, as I read that this week, I thought about my mom. How many of you are thankful for a praying mama? I can remember growing up, and there were days when my mom would go into her bedroom, and she'd shut the door. And when she shut the door, I knew she meant business. And I can still hear her calling out on the name of Jesus on behalf of her children. And she poured her heart out to the Lord. She prayed with such passion and such conviction. There was something happening in that room. How many know that was a war room? She she was doing battle on behalf of her kids. And she would pray in the spirit. She would speak a language that I didn't understand. That that she didn't understand, but heaven knew exactly what she was saying. How many of you are thankful for a praying grandma or praying mom that knew how to touch heaven? Man, there there was a passion. There was a sense of urgency in her prayer. I, I love that because our families, God sets us in families. I want you to know, you don't choose the family that you're born into. God sets that up. But he connects hearts, mothers and fathers and children and grandkids and cousins. There there, there ought to be an element of passion when we consider our families. I thought about what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 5. Look at what Jesus does. While Jesus was here on earth, the scripture says, he offered prayers and pleadings. Come on, somebody say pleadings. There's that word again. He offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and with tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. Do you see the picture? Let me ask you this, do you sense urgency in the days that we're living in? Do you watch the news like I do? I mean, look at all that's happening in the earth as it relates to fires, tsunamis, hurricanes, floods, earthquakes. It's like the earth groans. There's a groaning in the earth today, a longing for the return of Christ. And as parents, as those of us in families, when we consider the future and what God is doing in the earth, there ought to be a sense of urgency and passion that we carry. You know, last night I hung out with, a, with about 102,000 of my closest friends I was at a football game last night. And you know what I I, I noticed? It's amazing to me how at a football game, there is passion, there is energy, there's emotion. I mean, I I was blown away to see, watch this, to, to see how grown men who don't even know each other, when a touchdown is scored, grown men just hugging each other, embracing each other, high-fiving and shouting to one another. I'm blown away. I mean, Tiger Stadium does not lack on passion or emotion whatsoever. I just marveled at it. And and, and don't get me wrong. I love football, and I am in it to win it when it comes to sports. But I'm blown away at how sometimes we can be so fired up. Come on, you know where I'm going. You know where I'm going with this. We'd be so fired up over a football team. Man, if a ref throws a flag, man, these guys are like, what? Are you kidding me? I can't ballet." Or a good player, they're like, yeah. And yet sometimes we come to church on Sunday and we struggle to lift our hands to worship the Lord. Come on, somebody say Passion. Listen, where's the fire? I'm not saying don't be fired up about your team, but please don't exercise more passion on a Saturday night than you do on a Sunday morning. I just thought, Lord, I'm coming to your house today. And I'm so grateful that I get to meet with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when that music starts playing, God, I'm going to give you my best. God forbid that I yell and scream and act a fool at a football game and then come into the presence of God. And I just can't seem to find enough emotion or passion to give you what you deserve. Man, when we pray, come on, somebody. When we pray, there ought to be something stirred inside of us. Listen, do you believe that God hears you when you pray? Do you believe that God responds when you pray? Hey, thank God that your team can score a touchdown and win a game, but I'm more excited about winning souls than winning games. Man, this is about eternity now. This is about our sons, about our daughters, about our grandkids. This is about the, the, the village. Come on. Now, now when I talk about passion, I'm not talking about hype, okay? How many knows there's a difference? I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, coming to church and, you know, spirit fingers, spirit fingers. (laughs) God bless all of that. But hype is something. Babe, is that okay? (laughs) She was a cheerleader. She taught me those moves. Hype is externally motivated, right? Hype is something that's got to be primed and pumped from the outside, but passion is something that's on the inside. It's a fire in your belly. Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. I can't find it in a pill, on a shelf, or in a bottle. It comes from heaven above. There's a difference. Why Why is it when we first get saved, we're all fired up? Man, you remember what it was like when you first said yes to Jesus, when he rescued you out of your darkness, when he brought you out of that deep pit of discouragement and depression, man, when he lifted that heaviness off of you, you wanted everybody to know, man, you just all fired up, man, your life was on fire. But then something happens over the years and we're we're no longer passionate about those things. We kind of drift into mediocrity And, and we call it maturity Well, you know, you just, uh, that person, they'll settle down. They'll they'll let them get married and have 2.5 kids and pay a mortgage and they'll settle down. No, 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 no. Settle down. (laughs) Settle down. Where is that in your Bible? Point me to the scripture and verse that says, Thou shalt settle down. I, I just think the longer you're walking with God, the more fired up you should be for God. A passion. Isaac, when he's praying for his wife, he pleaded. He, he's not begging, but he's pouring out his heart and his soul. Listen, it's okay. Now, we live by faith. The scripture says we live by faith. But it's okay for you to feel your faith. It's okay for you to be fired up about your faith. Well, well, well you know, I, 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 don't, I, 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 I don't do passion anymore. I do coffee. <laughs> coffee? Hey, it's going to take a little more than caffeine. Come on, somebody. Man, you think of the cross. Man, you think of the blood of Jesus. You think about what he's done for you. You're like, oh, Lord, if you'd, oh, I've seen you move. You move the mountain. Come on, did we not sing about that this morning? Lord, and I believe. What are we doing? We're declaring something over our lives, over our families, over our children, over our future. Come on, somebody say passion. Hmm. Weak, anemic prayer produces weak, anemic results. Isaac pleaded for his wife. Now look at what it says. Look at verse 26. The Bible says Isaac was 60 years old when the twins were born. 60. Somebody say, my, my, my. How many know that if you had twins at 60, you'd be praying too? (laughs) I think God gives you kids when you're young for a reason because you got the energy to chase them down. At 60, now, now, now notice, stay with me here. When did Isaac get married? You read it earlier. How old was he when he married Rebecca? 40. How old was he when the twins were born? How long did he pray? Oh, come on now. Come on. See, we can be passionate in five minutes of church, but what happens if that thing gets delayed and it takes time? He didn't just pray five days, five weeks, five months, or five years. He prayed for 20 years. The second thing I want you to write down is this. Write down the word persistence. Everybody say persistence. When it comes to praying for our family, I think it starts with passion, a pleading, an urgency, pouring our heart out to God. But let me ask you this. What do you do when you don't see results? Don't give up. That's why I think sometimes we put prayer on a shelf because we've prayed the scriptures. We've made the declarations. We've poured our hearts out to God and we've not seen any change. And then we think, well, you know what? Prayer works for Pastor Mike, but it doesn't work for me. And then we begin to lose hope. The second thing I want you to see when it comes to praying for our family is we need persistence. Don't give up. Don't stop. Listen, keep pressing in. Keep pushing forward. Keep standing. You may be discouraged. Maybe you don't understand what's happening around you, but you just continue to hold to the promises of God. Remind God of what he said over you and over your family. Let me, let me tell you this. Delay is not denial. Just because this thing hasn't come about in the time that we want it to, Don't get discouraged. It doesn't mean denial. Maybe God is doing some things, preparing you for it. In fact, let me give you some instruction, okay? I want to take five minutes and and give you some instructional part of prayer. And I think this will help us when it comes to praying for our family, praying for our finances, praying for our future, whatever it is that you're believing God for. God always answers prayer. Always. Always. God will never leave you hanging. Hear me. Now, he may not answer you when you want him to or the way you want him to, but I'm telling you this, God is faithful. He is just, and he won't ignore you or leave you hanging. God always answers prayer. Now, here's the four ways that he answers prayer. Okay, you ready? Sometimes God will say no. Sometimes God will say go. Sometimes God will say slow. Sometimes God says grow. Okay, did you see that? Sometimes God answers no. Everybody say no. Have you ever told your kids no? What, what do they, what's the reaction when you tell them no? Do they get fired up? Do they try to convince you? How many of you have kids that pout? Kids that just throw a fit when they hear no. You know what my dad used to say? He'd say, son, if you can't handle a no, I can't trust you with a yes. Come on now. God answers prayer, and he doesn't always answer the way we want him to. Don't back God into a corner and expect him to act the way you want him to. Or, you know, you're just trying to convince him. Well, wait, no, no, no. God, obviously, obviously, you lack context. How many ever tried to help God out a few times? You know, you're, you're praying, and you're not getting the, the answer that you want, and so you're like, <sighs> Okay, well, Lord, I just want to help you out a little bit. Obviously, there's some things about this situation that you don't understand. So once I give you this information, then I know for sure it's going to be a yes. Listen, God says no, not for your restriction, but for your protection. That's why we tell our kids no on certain things. Sometimes God will say no, and that no is a test. And if you can't handle a no, God says, I can't trust you with a yes. Come on, can I have a better amen? Amen. God says no. Sometimes God says go. He gives you a green light. Man, man, thank you, Lord. Yes. And aren't you glad for the green lights? Man, you just feel the favor of God. Man, you just, it makes worship so much easier. Man, the joy of the Lord. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says go. And you're like, man, thank you, Lord. Isn't this amazing? Sometimes God says slow. You're not ready yet. I want to give this thing to you. But I got to get you ready for it. So we're going to take our time in this thing. Listen, Isaac pleaded and he prayed and it took 20 years. Can I ask you this? Would you still hold on to the promises of God for 20 years? If you didn't see the answer you were wanting, would you still trust him? Would you still stay in? I mean, Lord, I, I don't understand everything, but I'm not supposed to. God, I just continue to seek you. Sometimes God says slow, take it slow. I got to get you ready. There's something I want to give you, but I got to enlarge your capacity so you'll have room enough to receive it. Are you with me this morning? Are y'all into this message today? Could you inform your face that you're into this message today? Sometimes God says grow. Okay, you're seeking me about this, but I want you to grow. I've got to stretch you. You've got to grow in maturity. You've got to grow in understanding. You've got to grow in wisdom. You've got to grow in character. Jesus said these words in Matthew 7, verse 7. It is red letters in your Bible, the very words of Jesus. He said, ask, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will what? Knock, and what happens? The door will be open. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to him that knocks, the door will be open. Now that's what Jesus says, okay? That's a great promise. Can I have a good amen? amen. Ask and you'll receive, okay? Now let, let me let me show you what happens here. Keep that verse up on the screen. Okay, go back to verse, go back to verse 7. Okay, that's verse 8. What's in between asking and it actually being given to you? It's the word and. You know what and is? And is a conjunction. Now, let me give you the function of a conjunction. Come on, third grade, man. Ms. Tesher would be so proud of me right now. A conjunction is a word that joins other words, phrases, thoughts, or ideas. So some of you, you've done the asking, now you're waiting to receive. You know where you are? You are in the and. You're right in the and. And the and is where God does his work in you. Can I have a good amen? You don't know what's on the other side of your and, but you just keep trusting him. You just keep moving forward because there's a joining. There's a world of the supernatural that God wants to join to your natural. Ask. In fact, this is a present tense verb. Ask, seek, and knock. In the Greek, it literally means ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking because then you'll receive. Mm -hmm. The the, the answer that you're looking for, it's coming to you. You just got to keep on keeping on. You got to pray until something happens. Don't give up you got to push through some things. you got to keep standing, even in discouragement, even when the circumstances around you, they aren't favorable. you just got to continue to do what you know to do and trust God to do what only he can do. Can I have a better amen? I mean, consider this in in, in the old Testament, whenever God told the children of Israel, Hey, this promised land, it is yours. I want you to cross over the Jordan and that first city called Jericho. Yeah. I know it's got walls that are so high and so thick. And it seems like it's a fortress that'll just, you'll never be able to conquer. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around that city. And I want you to just keep, you just do what I tell you. You just keep marching around that city. And for six days, you know what they did? The Bible says as they marched. Day one, they marched, nothing happened. Day two, they marched, nothing happened. Three, four, five, and six all look the same. Some of you, and I want you to see what I'm doing right now. Some of you, this is what you feel like your life is. You're just going in circles. I'm seeing the same things. I'm getting the same results. Nothing's happening. In fact, I'm getting dizzy. In fact, I'm getting tired of this. This kind of feels funky. It feels weird. Why can't I do what everybody else is doing? And God says, six days you keep marching around that city. Oh, but on the seventh day, I want you to march around that city seven times. And when you complete that seventh time, I want the priest to blow the trumpets. And I want the people to lift up a shout of praise. And when your praise goes up, those walls fall down down. Listen, what would have happened if they'd given up on day six? They would have missed the breakthrough on day seven. Come on, don't give up now. You've come too far. God's done too much. You've seen the faithfulness of God. It's been so evident and so visible. Your breakthrough is right in front of you. Come on, somebody say passion. Somebody say persistence. Now, the third thing I want you to write down, write down the word perspective. Everybody say perspective. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. You see the two, two reasons why we pray for our family. First of all, maybe they're going through something. But second of all, maybe they're putting you through something. Come on now. Talked to a lady this week, single mom, two kids, precious lady, loves the Lord. She said she went through a terrible divorce. And so much pain. How many of you know nobody can love you like your family, but nobody can hurt you like your family too? Man, walked through this divorce, and she's got two beautiful kids that love the Lord. God started dealing with her about praying for her ex. She's like, I didn't want to pray for my ex. Come on, how many know your flesh will talk to you? In fact, she was reading some of the Psalms where, where, where the writers said, Lord, smash the teeth of my enemies. She's like, I think I pray that prayer. Come on, somebody. How many of you got a few prayers you'd like to pray for some people in your life? Lord, crush the mouth of the wicked in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Lord, glory. Hallelujah. She said, I didn't want to pray for my ex, but God started dealing with me about praying for my ex. She said, I didn't want to talk bad about him in front of my kids. She said, I really didn't have to, because the way that he was living his life said enough. But she would talk to her children and say, hey, listen, you know what? We need to pray for your dad today. Or, hey, how about you, you lead us in prayer? And, you know, she said, I was praying, God, just get a hold of him. Lord, just change him. Lord, I'm just believing that you're going you're to change the way that he thinks, the way that he acts. or transform him in Jesus' name. She, she said, you know what, Mike? He never changed. Prayed that God would change him, and he never changed. But guess what she did? She kept praying. Guess what started happening? God didn't change her ex. God started to change her. Let me tell you something about perspective. A lot of times we're saying, Lord, fix that person. Lord, shatter the teeth of that person. Lord, get that guy out of my life. Make him, her, it go away. And we're praying all this stuff off of us thinking that it's about what's happening around us. When God says, no, I'm more concerned with what's happening in you than what's happening around you. How many of you know God will use other people to be a change agent in your life? God will use situations and circumstances to do something right here. Luke chapter six, Jesus said this, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who hurt you. Mm-mm-mm. Boy, it's getting quiet up in the house right now. Well, we've moved away from passion, haven't we? Gotten away. To, now we're at perspective. It's hard to pray for people who hurt you. Listen, when you do pray for people who hurt you, it's hard to stay mad at those people who hurt you. God begins to soften your heart. I love what one of our staff pastors here said several years ago as it relates to prayer. And I want to ask the band to come up. He said this, every prayer we pray should be offered in faith, should be submitted in faith and surrendered in trust. Submitted in faith and surrendered in trust. Lord, I'm praying and I'm submitting this to you in faith. And the results of it, I'm surrendering to you in trust. You say, Mike, why is that so important? Here's why. Please keep your eyes on me just for a moment. Here's why. Because some of you, I would dare say everybody here understands the value and importance of prayer. And there's not a single person in here who doesn't love their family. Even though you've experienced pain in your family, there are no perfect families. So when it comes to praying for your family, I think everybody in here would say, yes, I need to do that. Maybe I need to do it more. I need to do a better job of it. But the truth is this, when you pray and you don't see results, maybe you give up on prayer. Maybe some of you are here today saying, man, I've I've done all I know to do. I've prayed, I've confessed, I've marched, I've done everything and it's still, nothing's happened. The danger is this, If you back God into a corner and expect him to do it the way that you're declaring or or the way that you're expecting and you don't get the results that you want, two things will happen. You'll either blame yourself or you'll blame God. You'll either blame yourself and say, you know what? I guess I don't have faith. I guess I don't have whatever that that spiritual aura is for God to move. And I, I need somebody else to pray for me. No, no, no. God hears you when you pray. Uh, Jesus is that advocate. Man, we, we speak directly to him. Or we'll get mad at God and say, Well, God, you, d- you didn't do it like I expected you to do it. We, we, we submit it in faith and we surrender it in trust, passion, persistence. But God gives us perspective. Now, here's, here's how I want to close. A couple weeks ago, I was at Chick fil A go figure. And in fact, I think it was, uh, Johnny's boy was with us, a uh, little Jordan and Trevor were hanging out. And so they want to go to Chick-fil-A. So I brought them to Chick-fil-A and we walk up in there, man, they're ordering and stuff. And so I take my credit card, didn't have any cash on me, take my credit card, go to pay for it and swipe it. And man, wait, wait a second. Can we see your card? Swipe it again. Swipe it again. Uh, it's saying your card is declined. It's like, man, how many you know that's a, that's a crisis right there. I got nuggets and waffle fries with my name on it. Come on, I can see it, I can can smell it, it's right there. You know, sir, is something wrong with your card? I'm like, man, this is embarrassing, it's embarrassing. So I might call in Rachel, hey babe, what's the deal? She said, oh, you know, there's been some fraudulent activity on our credit card accounts, and so, you know, they've discontinued our cards. I'm like, man, wow, it's not helping me. Polynesian sauce, help. And so what they did, they sent us cards in the mail, and you've, you've gotten this, you know how it works. You've got that piece of plastic, that new card, it came in the mail, but something had to happen. I had to activate that card in order to get the benefit and the use of it. I had to peel off a sticker. I had to call a number or go online, confirm information, and then whatever they do, they press buttons, da 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 bam, okay, waffle fries. You know, man, it's, it's better because it works now. The, the, the Piece of plastic, but now it's activated. And it's the, the, the same is true when it comes to prayer. This book is filled with promises for you and for your family. But you can't activate the promises apart from faith. Faith is what turns that credit card on. Now, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's just free spending and you just swipe and swipe and swipe. I'm saying, Lord, we submit this thing in faith. We surrender it in trust. But here's what you told us in your word. And as you stand and believe in those promises, that faith will activate. Now you get the full use and benefit of what's in front of you. Does that make sense? And here's this thing called power. Now all of a sudden we've got a church filled with families who are convinced in the presence of God in the purposes of God and in the power of God. James 5:16 Jesus said confess your faults one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed. For the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman it is great it is dynamic in Power. Can I have a good amen? You say, man, I got some impossible things happening in my life. Listen, it may be impossible for you, but nothing is impossible to God. You receive that this morning. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that. Would you stand with me? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.